Thank you, Jason. And thanks. It's great to be in North Carolina. My family is uh, in Clinton and Raleigh, so it's always great to work in North Carolina. Uh, and I'm being recorded, so I have to be careful not say anything crazy or political up here. Um, I just wanted to uh, introduce myself a little bit. I work at Environmental Defense, a nonprofit, and we're technology and fuel neutral. I'm really trying to focus my presentation today on retrofits, but in general, when I, when, when I talk to folks, I, I just want to represent that perspective and also uh, give people uh, a little bit of, on our nonprofit status. We try to find the ways that work. That's our tagline. And um, it's all about working with businesses, with industry, with people in the field to make sure we can get something that is not only good for the environment and good for our health, but it makes good practical business sense as well. So I'm going to start just with a quick overview of sort of like a hierarchy before I hit the focus of my presentation on retrofits. When you're talking about engines, especially old, dirty diesel engines, we've all seen those big puffs of black soot coming out of the back of some bad tailpipes and say, that can't be good for our health. And you're right. <laughs> and that's what I did a lot of my master's work on. And when you think about those engines, the first thing you'd like to do is replace them. Just get cleaner, newer engines. And EPA has worked on rules on that. And uh, we can you forward one slide? And so here are some quick facts on the highway and the non-road uh, new engine standards, how those are phased in. We also had the phase-in of the ultra-low sulfur diesel, which is now available on-road everywhere. And off-road, it should be 2010. But you can get it in off-road uh, a lot of places now. So we encourage people to do the second part of refueling, having cleaner fuels. The ultra-low sulfur diesel is obviously the first place you can really reduce emissions from your tailpipe. And then you can go to repowers, which is just repowering your whole engine. You can switch over to a different fuel altogether, replace that diesel engine with something else, natural gas. You can also go to repowers trying to build in hybrid systems. And then the part I'm going to be talking about is retrofits. Next slide. Here's the stages again. I think most people have seen this, trying to get lower and lower emissions by EPA rules. One slide before. But we have these rules. Why can't we just wait until everything naturally turns over? Well, diesel engines last for a very long time. I'm sure folks here are very familiar with that. That gives us good power. We really like to use them in a lot of the grunt work of our day-to-day -day lives, long-haul trucks, uh, marine vessels, uh, off-road equipment, construction. And there's a lot of diesel engines out there. And even those that get replaced get passed down the system but bought but by smaller users, individuals, and we still need to clean up those engines. So retrofits are a really great cost-effective way to clean up the tailpipes from some of those diesel engines. Slide. Um, this is a quick fact on why we like to use diesel engines. And there's a little picture of a, a, a truck stop electrification in Texas at the bottom there. That's to prevent some idling. They can just plug right in. Some people might be familiar with that. If not, feel free to talk to me. Okay, next slide. Um, and again, why we like to use diesel fuels. Next slide. Uh, what comes out of your tailpipes? There's some significant things that I worry about from a public health perspective, and that's particulate matter. They can lodge deep in the lungs and, and deliver a lot of toxic material that comes off of your diesel engine exhaust. I'm also worried about NOx. It's a precursor to ozone, and uh, North Carolina has quite a few counties in non-attainment for NOx. 
I don't want people to just focus on NOx, just because that's the only thing um, in noncompliance. It, it does help you when you're trying to get funding, CMAC dollars and that sort of thing, congestion mitigation, air quality dollars. But we also want to get those PM re reductions as well, because they directly affect human health in our community. And uh, there's also others, uh, PAHs, and then, of course, greenhouse gases, et cetera. But I focus mostly on the NOx and the PM in this presentation, focused on retrofits. Next slide. So a quick thing before I get into PM removal, uh, the, the NOx removal. The, I don't have a specific slide on NOx removal, because right now, in terms of uh, NOx absorbers, they have to be built into the engine. There's SCR, selective catalytic reduction. You can add those. That uses a urea or ammonia-based uh, 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 system. And you can add SCRs to your, your retrofit if you'd like to, to get some NOx reductions. But for the most part, um, the real push has been towards developing the PM retrofit uh, options. So, well... So I've listed in order the way I like to recommend them to people trying to get the reductions for public health and air quality standards. The first one is starts actually in the engine, and that's with your draft tube, that tube that comes off of a diesel engine. Originally, people were seeing that dripped used oil coming off of that and making a mess, and it was a water quality issue, and it would drip on the road. And so one idea was to refilter that. Well, it turns out that there's also PM that's associated with that draft tube. So it's got a double advantage for the environment, not only water quality, but air quality. So you can use a, crankcase, a closed crankcase ventilation system, and I believe Donaldson has one here today, so you can go look at that at their table. Uh, ECS should also have one as well. So that's a pretty nice option to just get those fine particles coming right off of your engine. That's very important for school buses because a lot of studies that have been uh, conducted on school bus in-cabin emissions uh, show that the crankcase filter can reduce almost 60% of your fine particulate matter in-cabin because the second that door opens, the kids rush in, there's this big spike that comes into the cabin for the PM. So we re really highly recommend the, C the crankcase filters, the ventilation, CCVs, for school buses or other in-cabin exposure issues you, you're very concerned with, but it also helps with overall PM reduction as well. Um, the second one uh, on the list is a combination. It's a DPF with a lean NOx catalyst. Uh, I, again, I try to be technology and fuel neutral, but I think Claire is the only person right now who has this out, the long view. And that'll get you some NOx reduction, plus the diesel particulate filter will trap both your PM, your fine particulate matter, and your, um, your fine particulate matter, and uh, your, S your hydrocarbons and your sol soluble organic fraction. And I'll talk a little bit more about DPFs in a second. And then uh, you have various ranges of DPFs. You can have a catalyzed surface DPF that's passive, meaning you don't have to do much, but in order to do that, you have to have temperatures that are high enough to burn off the soot that's collecting on your on your surface, and uh, then you have to then you can go to also an uncatalyzed DPF with uh, on-vehicle fuel burner. So it'll just inject a little fuel. There's mar very small amount of, of fuel efficiency issues with that, maybe one percent. And this is right now the only person doing an uncatalyzed DPF with the the fuel burner regen is Hus out of Germany. 
and they've had this verified not only for old engines and cold engines, but the, they've also done a B20 verification. So you can use B20 with this without a problem as well. Um, so we're going to see, that's the latest and greatest. That just came out and it has been verified within the last three months. So, and one thing I should mention is if folks are interested in retrofits, good sources to go to are EPA has their verification system where they list retrofits that they approve and what kind of reductions they saw in the labs. Most of the times you have to get it verified through Southwest Research or another approved lab. Um, California Air Resources Board, CARB, has their own retrofit verification process and there's quite a few more technologies on their list and one requirement for CARB verification is also to do in-field demonstration as well, not just laboratory testing. So those are two great sources. So we go down the list of DPFs and you can have an active DPF where you, you plug it in and it just burns that off. So if, you have a, a, if you're a fleet manager and you have that option, you can plug it in and burn off the, the soot. And then the next best thing after DPFs is a flow-through filter. And I believe there's also an example of a flow-through filter at one of the tables as well. So take a look at that. And then DOCs are pretty much at the bottom of the list because they're pretty much a very simple system. Catalyzed surface, diesel oxidation catalyst, the material goes by and strips off your hydrocarbon and, or your soluble organic fraction of the particles. It removes um, some PM, but it's mostly designed to just strip off that SOF fraction. And we can move to the next slide. So here's two pictures of somebody installing a nice DPF over here. It looks just like a muffler. And installation just needs to be done appropriately to make sure the temperatures, et cetera, is right. And then there's a nice little uh, CCV over there. So it's pretty much the DPF just blocks all of that, uh, that soot. So I should mention that DPFs usually require ultra, must require ultra low sulfur diesel because if you have an old engine or if you're like, if, if you have a tier four or pre 1992, pre-90, you're going to generate a lot of soot in that that DPF's working overtime trying to burn that off. So there's some technical issues with that as well. So we encourage everybody use it, to use ultra-low sulfur diesel regardless if you're on-road or off-road. And you can definitely use DPF's using ultra-low sulfur diesel. So in a real quick uh, overview, I just selected a few examples of some combinations you could put up there for reducing uh, tailpipe emissions. And you can go to our cleaner diesel handbook and check out various options. And we also have appendices with vendors lists and uh, contact sheets, as well as places you can try to find funding for your retrofit and examples of people who've used retrofits on some of their projects. I also want to mention if you're uh, in charge of a fleet, a bus fleet or any kind of uh, large fleet system and you're trying to reevaluate what your options are for emission reductions. Uh, Duke uh, Nicholas Institute for the Environment worked with, we worked with them and MJ Bradley, a consulting firm, to really look at their bus fleet, the Duke UNC bus fleets, and try to figure out what other options they could be looking at, hybrids, uh, L CNG, uh, diesel retrofits, um, buying new buses, etc. And they put together a nice spreadsheet, so feel free to go to their website. And it's a, a way, it's, it's free access to all. MJ Bradley helped produce this spreadsheet where you could add in your fleet inventories and some of your goals, and it'll run scenarios for you to figure out what your 
the more cost-effective uh, options for you. So I encourage folks, if you're a fleet manager and you want to just test out your fleet and throw in a couple numbers and give, add in your engineers and all that sort of how often you use your buses, et cetera, it's a really great resource. Um, so here I'm going to just go through the list again and highlight some of the key elements. The crankcase ventilations are just really a great bargain. If you're worried about in-cabin exposures in particular, this is the first thing we recommend. Put this on. Some people say it's $600. I just gave a high estimate of 800 installed. It's a pretty simple, nice fix. Then you go to some NOx reduction with the D DPF. That's my second best because it, it does get you some NOx reduction. And, but it's expensive, so not everybody can afford that. And you have to look and manage what your goals are. Are your goal, goals air quality or your goals health or is it a combination of those? Um, and if you're going down the list for PM reduction, I, I put 85, you can get up to 90, it might be lower, it depends on engines, how old they are, what their duty cycles are. But uh, you just go through the list and you can see the different prices. So if you don't want to plug it in, it's going to cost a little bit more. If you go with one that you plug in, you can save a little bit of money. And all of these prices continue to drop. In fact, last year, I would say there was like 20% higher prices. They, they're just dropping. Maybe not that much for some of them. But the, the Hoos one from Germany is really the latest and greatest in a, innovation in terms of using the, the fuel burner. And you can do a regen without having your engine running. So it, it, it stays pretty cool during a regen. Um, and then the flow-through filters and then the DOCs at the bottom. And the last slide I wanted to point to, next slide, was the perspective of when you look at these verification lists, both on CARB's site and EPA's site, it will give you reduction PM total, total mass reductions. And that's a little misleading. I think the most important thing to take home from the message of comparing DOCs with the DPF is why should I spend so much more money for a DPF? Can I just buy three DOCs? Well, you can't because they're removing different PM, parts of the PM. You have your solid core particle, your fine particulate, and that's kind of just uh, think of it as a, a bumpy little strange uh, shaped little particle, very small, uh, smaller than the thickness of a human hair, very small. And then you have all the stuff from the incomplete burn of the fuel, all that soluble organic fraction stuck to it. And what a DOC will do will get you the SOF removal, the soluble organic fraction, but it won't get you the PM, the core particle reduction. That needs a filter to block it. So a DPF will get both of those, whereas a DOC will only get your SOF fraction. So you can't really say, I can buy three DOCs and get the same PM reduction because it's removing different parts of the PM as its fractions. So I just wanted to make that point because it can be misleading when you look at the verification lists, both at EPA and CARB. So, and if there's more questions on that, I, I'll take them as well. So thanks very much. I know that was a really quick overview. And if people have questions, please feel free to talk to me or check out our cleanerdieselhandbook.org. Thanks.